Hi, I'm Laron, and you're listening to Billion Dollar Algorithms Podcast, a podcast where I document the process of starting a quantitative hedge fund from scratch. If you want to hear all the episodes, you can follow us on Spotify or head over to BillionDollarAlgorithms.com. Now let's get into today's episode. I started this podcast to document the journey of starting a quantitative hedge fund from scratch with no connections, network, or anything. I want to be as transparent as possible so we can learn together and potentially grow together. Anything I say in this podcast should not be taken as financial advice. This is just some guy's story on a pursuit of happiness or something like that. But thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Since my last podcast about making algorithms to pass profit from challenges, many people have reached out to me and asked me to teach them how to make algorithms. Usually I avoid this question because of time constraints of my PhD, but with a summer break coming up, I put out a poll on my Reddit channel and asked people would they rather get 10 algorithms or learn how to make 10 algorithms. And much to my surprise, all of the respondents said they want to learn how to make algorithms. Thus, the course was bought. So, if you want to join the course, um, head over to billiondollaralgorithms.com forward slash course and stick around to the end of the podcast where we give a little bit more detail on the structure of the course. For those interested in algorithm development but cannot make the course, this episode is for you. When I think about what has been my differentiating factor from other novice or beginner algorithmic traders, I think it is my understanding of two fundamental principles, uncertainty and robustness. Successful algorithmic trading is not an exercise in who could write a better for loop, if statement, or function. It's not about assembling all the indicators and generating the best signal to trade from. And it's also not about being the most unique kid on the block with a fancy new machine learning model. It's not really about how you're coding. It's about what you're coding and why you're coding it. I think successful algorithmic trading comes down to your understanding of the markets, price action, and as I said before, uncertainty and robustness. Generally, if you had coded some program or function before, you think you could just come over to the markets and make money. And I think this is why some software engineers fail at this initially. The novice algorithmic trader doesn't realize that when you're deploying an algorithm into the market, you're playing a game of probabilities and, more often, a game of uncertainty. Because no matter how much data you have about the past, you do not have data about the future and you can't control the future or bend it at your will. As algorithmic traders, we are trying to make decisions without having all of the information. And this brings us to our first important concept, uncertainty. Uncertainty is a factor in your decision-making process that may encompass many things that affect the output of your model. For example, a noisy sample set, slippage, volatility, natural events. All of these things are examples of uncertainty. As a thought experiment, let's imagine that we're building a machine learning model to predict the power output from a solar panel over the year. Now, one major uncertainty or factor in uncertainty in this model would be how many cloudy days we have. We can't control how many cloudy days we have regardless of where we place the solar panel or how well we model the system. So what do we do about it? Generally in science, we just accept the uncertain factor and move on with our research. Other people can try to um, develop ways to measure uncertainty, ways to minimize the effects of uncertainty, but you cannot do anything about the uncertainty. It's always there. It's always going to be there. And as 
developers and designers of algorithms, we have to understand what uncertain factors affect our algorithms and how best to minimize its effect on our models. In science, we are accustomed to working with uncertainty because there are so few things that are absolute. I mean, think about it. When things are absolute, we actually give people Nobel Prizes for it. We name laws after them. Everything else is just a theory and overfitted functions that work under a few circumstances. So in trading, we're trying to look for a true north. We're trying to look for a law, a principle that would stand the test of time and not just a function that will work under certain scenarios and um, marking conditions. We're actually looking for something that would be equivalent to a scientific law. As another thought experiment, let's look at a very common example about uncertainty in trading, long-term capital management. They were famously composed of PhDs, scientists, and even a Nobel-winning scientist. And I would say they largely failed because they were trading a function and not a law, right? They were trading um, something that was not really set in stone. And that's primarily because their trading strategy was based off of an arbitrage. And an arbitrage meaning that you believed that a price dislocation occurred. You believe that um, the price of a certain asset relative to another asset is mispriced enough for you to make a profit on the difference. Now, unfortunately, this, this resulted in them uh, accumulating Russian government bonds and with the expectation that the Russian government would pay back their debt and uh, continue this process, they were making uh, huge sums of money when this assumption worked well, but when it didn't work well, it catastrophically blew up in their face and resulted in the fund closing, etc. I mean, many classes have been done about this. But the example here is, what was the uncertainty that they couldn't control? The real uncertainty that they couldn't control is whether the Russian government would pay back their debt or not. Now, as scientists, I'm pretty sure that they were aware of the effects of that assumption and that uncertainty. And perhaps if they weren't trading levered instruments, or even with a smaller position size on these levered instruments, they wouldn't have lost their entire fund when the improbable event happens. So now that we know uncertainty exists and we can't control it, what do we do when it spikes? If we go back to our solar panel example, if we have two cloudy days in a row, the only thing that happens is we just don't make power for those two cloudy days. You know, the solar panel doesn't explode. The catastrophic doesn't happen. When uncertainty rolls around and the improbable occurs, we want to be able to withstand whatever may occur and bounce back from it like it never happened. And to have algorithms to do that, we need to talk about the next big concept, robustness. I run a portfolio of algorithms on multiple accounts, and I typically only check them when there are big news events for the platform accounts, and other than that, probably once every two weeks. And this is because I have built robust algorithms that I expect to withstand any scenario. Now, robustness is a very advanced concept that few truly understand and internalize. A robust model is a model that can withstand or overcome any adverse condition or rigorous testing. To solidify the idea of robustness in your head, let's use another thought experiment, this time with a physical system. Let's say that the military wants you to build a robot to walk upright, just like in the Terminator movies. You have unlimited resources and a great engineering team. 
So you buy a warehouse and you get to work on this robot. You test the robot in the warehouse and it walks just like your lead engineer designed it. So you immediately ship it to the military. Now when they get the robot, they put it on the beach and they try to run some missions. And what do you think happens? The robot fell over and it flopped like a fish out of water. Now why is that? Because you didn't test it on that environment. By only testing it in the warehouse, you're assuming that this robot will only see smooth, concrete, flat surfaces. Which means when the environment changes, your robot will fall on its face. So what would you do differently? Now you take the robot back to the warehouse, you import sand from the Bahamas to do some more testing, and you test it on a sand environment or sandy environment. However, you took so long that it's now winter. And the next time you test the robot, there's snow on the ground. And guess what? You didn't test it on snow either. So now your robot is back to falling on its face. Eventually, you will either build a robust robot from trial and error, or you're going to be fired. So how do you avoid this long and costly trial and error system? You could have designed your experiments better from the start to build a robust robot. If the surface the robot walks on is an uncertain parameter, you could have tested the robot on different surfaces to know not only does this work well on concrete, but will it walk on loose gravel? <laughs> will it walk on snow? And will it walk on sand? You could have said, now what if it's walking on an incline or ice or if it's walking upstairs on ice? Yes, these are all things that you need to test, but now you're starting to get the point. So let's get back to trading. The robot, the walking robot, is your algorithm. And the surface is the asset you're trading and the trading environment that it's in. Now let's use a trading robot example. Let's say that I build a profitable, long-only algorithm trading the S&P 500 from 2011 to 2019. What do you think would happen when I run it live from 2020 to 2022? It will most likely fail because its test period consisted of a very strong multi-year bull market. And now that that market has gotten more choppy and difficult, the algorithm would fail. People tend to skip robustness testing because they're too eager from the first good back test they see and they want to rush to deploy their algorithm thinking it's a money printing machine. But by doing this, you're setting yourself up for the inevitable failure. Remember, it's like building a walking robot only on concrete. Eventually, that robot will walk onto some sand and your whole system will be done for. To build truly robust systems, I believe that you have to combine art and science. And this has led me to developing my own philosophy on the issue, which states, design test that you expect your algorithms to fail which means you should be actively stress testing your algorithms to prove that it is robust you can't prove it is robust under every uncertainty because you don't know what you don't know but we can design tests on the uncertainties that we do know for example you can test your algorithm in different market conditions a bull market a bear market a sideways choppy market you can test your algorithm on different asset classes, futures, stocks, currencies. You can test your algorithm on different periods of times, the 1970s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s. There are multiple tests you can perform 
to ensure sufficient robustness. Here's a glimpse of my robustness testing process, which you can learn more about if you join the course. First and very important principle in my testing is I never optimize. I will repeat that, I never optimize. I would have to do an entire course on why I never optimize, but I never optimize. Uh, optimization is a very advanced topic and I think it's really a shame that trading platforms put optimizations uh, algorithms in the hand of retail investors and this is coming from a person who optimized physical systems uh, who optimized trading systems and I understand the counterintuitiveness of optimizations and um, I, I just really don't believe that optimization should be applied uh, to building algorithms but again, as I said, it's a very complex reason why, but I don't optimize. The second thing is I stress test across multiple assets. So for example, um, in currencies, I may build a, an algorithm on the euro pair, euro dollar pair, and then test it on 27 other currencies of different time periods. And if the algorithm doesn't perform well, or similarly on around 70% of the other um, stress-tested pairs, I simply won't trade it. And the reason here is I want to capture something that's fundamental about price movement and that's fundamental about trading. I'm not trying to capture the characteristics of the euro-dollar pair. That is, in my sense, in my belief, uh, a very curve-fitted algorithm. And I think, you know, if you look online, there are going to be some people who try to sell you algorithms and say, this is for the gold. Um, this is a gold trading algorithm. And that just means that they have curve fitted that algorithm to the characteristics of gold from some period of time in their back desk. But again, that's just a glimpse of my uh, second point there. I don't want to go on too much for that. Uh, and the third point um, is I never trade outliers from a back desk. So for example, if we go back to trading or sorry back testing or stress testing on 28 currency pairs if one of them performed dramatically better let's say from a net profit standpoint if one of the uh, stress tested uh, systems performs uh, around 50 percent better than the others i don't trade it and the reason this is is because you would essentially be making a biased decision towards a system that may have gotten lucky on a big move or had abnormal behavior. And that type of behavior is very rare to replicate. Okay, so for example, if we were testing our system on the um, 2020 backtest year, and we see that we have abnormally large performance, or abnormally good performance in March of 2020, and then you see that all the other years, like maybe 2017, 2018, you don't have that abnormal performance. And then you decide, okay, let's, you know, let's trade the system. What you're actually doing is you're saying that algorithm got lucky, caught the directional move of the effects of COVID. And now I'm assuming that whenever that happens again, this algorithm is going to get lucky on catching that move. It's very... Uh, again, more it, you would be introducing a bias by doing that. And so I typically don't trade outliers. And the last thing I'll share here, trust me, there's many more, 
But the last thing I'll share here in my robustness testing is I test my algorithms on synthetic data. Now, by synthetic data, I mean data that I generated myself. Now, here's why I do that. By generating data myself, I can control the degree of randomness and test my algorithm's performance based on that in a controlled environment. So for example, if I want to see the algorithm performance, if there are price shocks of two or three standard deviations, I could simulate that. If I want to see the algorithm's performance on scientifically random data, quote unquote, I can also test that. If I want to see how my algorithm would perform on a black swan event or two black swan events back to back, I could also do that. And so by simulating the data and also having control over the structure of this data, I could see the algorithm's performance on a plethora of market behaviors or behaviors that could be replicated in the market sometime into the future even. Now, if an algorithm passes all of this testing, I would be happy to deploy it to my live portfolio after three additional months of live testing, of course. Now, this is why I would say I sleep well at night, because I know that I've built robust algorithms that should withstand any environment. I'm not clutching at my pearls because of a, a Fed talk, a presidential election, or even a new COVID variant. What will be, will be. So far, this obsession on testing and robustness have served me well. And I would like to encourage my listeners interested in algorithm development to switch from a mindset of how can I assemble indicators to trade and more to a mindset of how do I know that this algorithm is worth trading and worth trading into the future. If you want to learn more about my algorithm development process, I encourage you to sign up to my course this summer. The course, I believe, would be like no other. It is a co-op based course and it will run for four weeks. In this course, you'll have homework assignments, live lectures, and a final project. You will code five different algorithms and manage a portfolio of algorithms for the duration of the course. Hopefully, this will give you some experience on testing your assumptions at a portfolio level and the skill to actually code these algorithms for yourself. I think it will be fun and a very insightful uh, four weeks. And if you want to learn more about it, the course syllabus is posted on my website at billiondollaralgorithms.com forward slash course. And I am accepting applications for the course, which will start June 1st. And by the looks of things, the impending recession is going to give us all enough time to learn a new skill.